The following episode contains descriptions of child sexual abuse, general interpersonal violence, coercion, and violence against a sex worker. All of our episodes may be triggering to folks, but this one may be especially harsh for listeners. I encourage you to take a break or skip it or listen to it in little bits, especially where people under 18 cannot hear you. This is an adults-only show, and we are doing this episode because these topics and discussions are very important and hopefully help people understand the dynamics that lead to sex trafficking and to impart some knowledge as to how we can offer resources to people to prevent these things from happening again. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is going to be a heavier episode today. This is the anti-sex trafficking episode number two. Our guest, Camille Woods. Uh, Camille, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So as folks can imagine, oh, hello, kitty. And your <laughs> Mew Mew said hi right on time. <laughs> so... Uh, Folks, you can check us out online, theytalksex.com. You might be listening from Apple or Spotify. Feel free to rate or review this show anywhere so more folks can find us. The goal of the show here is to share information, resources, and we try to make you laugh, but if we don't giggle too much in this episode, that's fine. You're going to share your story. Um, We're going to talk about what laws and practices are not helpful to people who are being forced or exploited in sexual labor. And we're going to get to know Camille's story a little bit with uh, what she can share. And uh, hopefully we can provide some, some ideas about what will be most supportive to folks who are in these situations because the current laws are not cutting it. So welcome Camille. Thank you. Yeah. How old are you? Um, so I am I am currently 23 years old. Okay. So where in the U.S. does your story take place? It takes, it begins in Washington, D.C., where I'm from originally. Okay. So how did you become involved in sexual labor and how old were you? So I was 20 at the time. Um, I was working at a restaurant in D.C. and I met my then trafficker then. Um, I didn't know he was a pimp or a trafficker. I didn't even know what prostitution was. I had been on my own since I was 16, but I never, my grandparents raised me once I left home at 16. So they didn't have the knowledge to talk about those things. That wasn't their priority list of things to talk about it was more like get a job go to college you know like basic rudimental Mm -hmm. like social standards so I had no idea what that was I didn't even know prostitution was illegal but yes I met my then trafficker in Washington DC at 20 but I didn't become involved in sex work until I turned 21. Okay um had you had other partner relationships or any sexual experience? 
actually, I only had one boyfriend that I had ever had sex with outside of being sexually assaulted by my stepfather and being uh, sexually assaulted when I was three years old by my um, my first cousin's dad. Um, I, I say it very blatantly, like, because it's true, he did fuck me in the ass from three to six, and he was arrested and put in prison for a very long time. And I know that can be vulgar to a lot of listeners, but I don't know, I guess it's 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 been part of my life that I can talk about it like that. So I apologize to anyone that that triggered at all. But yeah, yeah. that did happen to me. And I do talk about things as if it's not a big deal, but it is a huge deal. So yeah, that did happen to me. So outside of those two sexual assaults, the only guy I had ever slept with was my boyfriend I was with from the time I was 16 to the time I was 20. Um, we were high school sweethearts. So he was the only man I had ever had sex with or kissed in my life. Okay. Yeah. Definitely speak your truth in the way that is most comfortable for you. We are an adults only show. We do have the explicit warnings and then folks, if you need to take a break, just like I said to Camille, uh, if you need to, you know, walk away from this episode, take a breather, uh, have a wiggle, have some water, go for a run, come back or not do what you need to do. Take care of yourself. Um, okay. So you met your trafficker when you were working in a restaurant. Also, and I just want to come back to this. I feel like a very important part to a lot of our healing is being able to say what happened to us without sugarcoating it. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. So what happened in September of 2020? You were working in Miami? So what happened was fast track. We were friends throughout the, and so when I say fast track, I'd say I met him in December of 2019. We were friends all the way up and through the pandemic. When the pandemic happened, March 16th of 2020, I know because I lost both of my jobs, it was mm. like the world ended and I didn't have parents and I already moved out of my grandparents' home and I didn't want to move back in with them because I was prideful at the time and I felt like I could do it on my own. And some people, and I was getting government assistance and I was also working as a nanny. So I still had some sort of income coming in. But he didn't. He didn't. And hmm. I noticed at that time that that's when we became closer. And actually, I had just turned 21 in the middle of the pandemic when the pandemic first started. So nobody wanted to be around anyone, right? Because it was mm. COVID. Everyone was scared. And I just turned 21. So I didn't I couldn't see any of my friends. Couldn't see anyone. It was like very lonesome for me. And he was the first person to call me on my 21st birthday. So I was so excited. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, wow, like he cares, you know? And mind you, we did have sex before my 21st birthday when I was 20. And I don't want to say we consensually had sex. I would say that that was rape. And the reason why I would say that was rape, because when we were first friends, we never had sex. And the very first sexual encounter me and him had before he called me on my 21st birthday, I was on my period. And I remember I invited him over and I asked him, hey, do you want to watch Broad City with me? Because that, that was my favorite <laughs> show. And he was like, sure, like, no worries. And I was 20 at the time. So I'm taking a little bit back to mm -hmm. speed everyone up. So um, I at the time where I was living, like guys couldn't spend the night because it was like a female owned like house. And I was renting a room before I moved into an apartment. So I was like, oh, and he was like, well, you can just come to my house. And at that time, he lived in a trap house. 
And, you know, I thought that was super cool. You know, like I've only with one guy, this guy smokes weed, never smoked weed before. Like I thought this guy was like amazing. Anyway, I get to his house and he's like, the first thing he says is when you walk into a man's house, you're a man's property. When you walk into a man's house, you got to do what a man says. And he bent me over and raped me right there. And I was so ashamed and I didn't even realize it was rape at the time. That I was so I was apologizing to him for bleeding all over his sheets, and I was oh, so wow. humiliated. And oh, then wow. talk, we didn't talk for a whole month. So on my twenty first birthday in uh, during the pandemic of twenty twenty, he reached out to me, and I would say that that's kind of like a trauma bond. Now that I've been through a few therapy, because that was like the first time I felt like, oh man, like I felt bad. Like and he called me on my birthday, like wow, he really does care about me, you know? Mm, so mm-hmm. he called me on my 21st birthday and we became friends. Fast forward to September. In September, um, I got a job offer as a nanny. Now, like I said, during the whole pandemic, I was working as a nanny, but I got the, the, the job offer of a lifetime to work as a nanny in Miami to watch these three kids. They were going to provide me with an apartment and everything. And I told him, I said, hey, I'm leaving. My whole family knew I was leaving. I was like, hey, you know, I'm leaving. I'm going. And I have to go. I have to take this opportunity. This is crazy. And he was like, so you're just going to fag off? You're just going to leave me? And I was so distraught because this was my only friend during the pandemic. I'm 21, Mm. no friends, no one to talk to. My grandparents, you know, are older, like, you know, and mind you, I did tell people about this guy, right? I did tell my friends about this guy and they all thought he was bad news. And I think I craved love so much because I never got that from my family. He was the only one actively every day showing me love or what I thought was love that I said, you know, yeah. So I said, yeah, let's go. So we took a road trip down there. It was so much fun. We took a road trip. We stopped at different places. So when we got down there, I was working for a while with the family. We moved into the apartment. And then within like three or four days, I got really, really sick. I didn't get COVID. I think I just had homesickness mixed with a bunch of emotions. This is the first time I ever lived with a guy before. It was like a lot for me to adjust Mm -hmm. to. And the hours are really Mm -hmm. long and hard. And um, so the lady that I was watching the kids for was so nice that she came to the house and she was trying to bring me some soup. When she got there, she was seeing this black guy there and mind you this is a jewish family that's kind of racist so (laughs) they were just like no fuck that you gotta get out of here you gotta go you gotta go right so i'm freaking out we're mind you we drove down there in like one of those rental car like mustang drop tops or whatever two-seater so there's not very much room I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lar- I'm not a larger woman by nature, but I'm a taller woman. I'm 5'11". So mm-hmm. that was like not easy for us to like be in that car the whole time. So when we get mm-hmm. down there, he's like, you know, and, and, and I just want to previously say that he, he, it's not like he never said that he didn't manage porn stars. That is something that he had told me he had done in the past. But telling someone you have managed porn stars is not the same as telling someone that you were you're a pimp or a human trafficker or you take bitches' money. That's that's not 
what I mm-hmm. was under the impression of. He never mm-hmm. told me about any of that lifestyle. Mind you, I have never, I, this is my first time in Miami. And at some point we'll talk about when I got to Los Angeles and we're working big, but I never, like I said, knew what prostitution was or pimping or the pimping whole lifestyle. So back mm-hmm. to what I was saying. So within three days we get kicked out. It was pretty bad. And he was just like, you know what? We'll figure it out. Like, you'll get a job. We'll figure it out. Blah, blah, blah. So every time I would get a job, he'd want me to quit it. You know, every time I get a job, he'd be like, I fuck with real hoes. I fuck with <laughs> real hoes. You're not a real hoe. You're not a real one. You're not really down for me. And I was just like, what do you mean? And I'm not down for you. Like, I'm working. You don't have a job. You're not employed anywhere. I'm working. I was trying to work at Fridays. I was trying to work at anywhere I could work because I didn't want to move back home because I did all this work to move to Miami. I wanted mm-hmm. to make my dreams a reality. So he said, you know what? It's okay. Like, let's let's go out for a smoke and a drink. So about mm-hmm. a week later, this is fast forward to a week later, we are um, on my in Miami on Collins. We're on Collins. Um, we're on Collins and Biscayne Boulevard around that area. There's a there's a Starbucks on Collins at the corner. Everyone should know this Starbucks. And I remember by this point he was like we he was intoxicating me like he was getting me drunk. He was like, "Girl, live your best life. Like you're young. You're 21. Like let's let's right. drink blah blah. Let's smoke weed." He, he was teaching me how to roll J's. I never learned how to roll a backwood. I was getting so good, you know. I was feeling myself, but we were broke. Like we were we were at this point we were just spending all the money that I had saving up and had given to him over time just by mm-hmm. helping him out with his bills. Like that's what I had. I didn't know this at the time, but that's the money we were living off of. And I was just entrusting him that everything's going to work out because he said he loved and cared about me. Mm-hmm. So I remember the night I was turned out, we were at the Starbucks. It had to be about not even, not even nine. It was not even 10 p.m., between 9 and 10 p.m. And I was already wasted. And I remember he put Xanax in my drink. Like oh, I God, seen that's actively- so dangerous. I actively seen him put the Xanax in my drink. He's like, this is going to make you calm down because you seem to have a lot of anxiety. And I was just like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like, I do have anxiety because I don't know what we're going to do about our future. I don't know what's going to happen, blah, blah. Next thing you know, he pulls out a box of condoms. And he puts a, a little small little like pocket knife in my purse. And he gives me a box of condoms and I pull open the door and I'm vomiting. I'm like, why are you giving me condoms? Like, I'm not trying to fuck. I'm like vomiting. What's, what's wrong with you? Blah, blah. He said, do you see the, how many condoms are in here? It was like, a, it was like a magnums. I said, mm-hmm. yeah. He said, there's, I said, yeah, there's 20. He said, that means if you break every man out there for a hundred dollars, let's just say to start. That was switched 200. I, I guess that's what? 2000. $2,000. Right. Yeah, right. and a knife, yeah. and he just yeah. sent me out there, right? And he took my, at this point, at this point, fact where I had never mentioned to the viewers, we, I had become so entrusting of him that he had convinced me that I wasn't smart enough to hold on to my own personal belongings, meaning like my ID, my social, my birth certificate, because he said, you know, you might lose these things while we're out here. And I don't want you to lose these things because we are so far away from home. I don't want you to lose these things. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? He's so sweet. Like, of course, you know, you're the guy, you know, and I, I've never seen a positive relationship. I mean, my, my dad beats the shit out of my mom all the time. 
Like, so mm-hmm. I didn't, I never mm-hmm. seen that. This was the nicest thing anyone did for me. So I said, okay. Um, I go outside on Collins and I turned, I started, I, I didn't know what to do. Like I, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I remember I walked up to a guy at a bar and I was just like, this guy told me that I need to suck a dick for some money. Like, are you willing to just give me like some money to like suck your dick or whatever? Like, I don't know. And I came back with like $400 that night and I was like upset because I didn't know if he was going to be mad at me or whatever. And I was like, this is the best that I could do. Blah, blah, blah. And he could see like it was draining me. It was exhausting me. So he, he, I guess you could realize that maybe the blade wasn't for me. So then mm-hmm. we started living out of hotels. And we were living out of different hotels. We were living out of extended stays. We were living out of the car. We were living just comfort inns. We were living out of different Mm -hmm. hotels um, up and down Fort Lauderdale. Were you paying for everything still? Yes. I mean, I wasn't directly paying for everything. I was just giving him all my money because I didn't have a debit card anymore. At this point, I had no, I had, I had a cell phone. Yes, I had a cell phone, but all iPhones have the tracking device on them. And also mm. every time he, I got in his car, he wanted to see who I was talking to. So I had to manually like write down different numbers and keep it like somewhere just in case, like it really got that bad. But I was like, looking back and I don't want to. I don't want to blame myself, but I, I, you hear me blame myself because that is something I actively till this day am struggling with. And I just want to preface, I am only nine months out of being human trafficked. I was with this man for two years. So this is a lot for me to be taking in, but back to what I was saying, he realized that it was bad for me. Like the blade was not working. It was not making enough money. So he took me to the hard rock casino. If you ever been, it's this huge guitar and I was doing really good. And, you know, and he took me to the Dania point casino, which I turned my very first trick there officially. And he was so proud of me because he bought me like this Lily Pulitzer dress the day before I was wearing stripper heels. Mind you, everyone, I'm five eleven. Stripper heels. I was wearing eight-inch stripper heels. <laughs> you I were like, like six, six five or something. That bitch walking in the Dania Point, oh. I knew everybody was like, "This bitch is selling pussy," and I was so nervous. But Good the day, I, like I swear, yeah. I walked in and the, the guy saw me. He said, "I know what you're here for. Let's go." And uh, you know, he gave me some money, and we, um, the my ex folks followed me to the car, and we. I mean, he followed me, he followed us in his vehicle to watch me go turn this date. And I would do this all night, all day, all night. And so I was working at the Dinia Point Casino and I was working um, at, you know, the Hard Rock. And eventually I was just so brainwashed. But at this point, he was making me feel crazy because I felt like what I was doing wasn't normal. This is like the first step of when I started to realize this wasn't normal, but I loved him so much. I wasn't willing to leave because a lot of people don't realize if you grew up in a really negative home 
and there there's somebody who's genuinely making you feel like you're loved even if they hit you once in a while or call you stupid or starve you like the the attention the fact that they 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 remember your favorite color like the fact that they remember your favorite chips or your birthday like those small little things Mm -hmm. do add up to a very fragile young girl that's that's what I was I I might have been 21 but Mm -hmm. I I'm I'm still 16 in, in my head you understand so mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was really really bad so eventually i would say um i ended up leaving him the very first time i left him so basically i was posting on snapchat my locations and none of my friends could get a hold of me my aunt and uncle couldn't get a hold of me none of my grandparents could get a hold of me i was changing phone numbers randomly all the time because i was posting on different escort sites because he failed to do the right thing which was now looking back dumb on his part because he wanted to use my original snapchat from when i was a normal square Mm. as my hoe page now everyone in my life Mm. knows that i'm a prostitute <laughs> he wanted on my real mm-hmm. Instagram that I had before my current Instagram. He didn't want to make a new me. He wanted to just change me to become this new version. He didn't like he didn't like who I was. He wanted me to be Camille. So that's what he inevitably did. And so I started losing friends. People started contacting the police. Uh, one of my good good friends contacted me. My grandparents contacted. Me. They're like she's missing. We don't know what's wrong with her. The first time I got in contact with law enforcement, I was sitting at a Panera Bread on Biscayne Boulevard and they showed up eight cars deep and they were like, are you so-and-so? And I said, yeah. And they're like, we, we've been looking for you. And I was, they were like, um, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, I'm not homeless. They're like, well, what's your address? So I gave them this fake at the address of the apartment I was living at, even though I wasn't living there. And they were like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, you're not homeless. Well, you can go. So I start walking away and I'm scared. So I walk to the closest Starbucks. I'm like, all right, look, if I go to this Starbucks, I'll look normal. I'll just go to the Starbucks, whatever. I go to the Starbucks. Mind you, the pee that I had at the time decided because I was posting on social media and I was trying to get him in trouble, even though I didn't even know what I was doing was wrong, he started working at Olive Garden. Now, if you have been in the game or you know anything about the game, pimps don't work at Olive Garden, right? Like, (laughs) pimps don't fucking get a job and blame the bitch and say, oh, bitch, she's trying to take me out. Like, I was a turnout. I didn't know. He didn't give me game. He just sent me out there to die, basically. And I didn't realize it because I, I I wasn't stupid. I just didn't know, right? I just didn't know. So okay. I'm sitting at the Starbucks right. waiting. And another a guy pulls up and he's like, well, you can't leave. For clarification. So another guy pulls up another pimp or another client? Another cop. cop? But this time it's an, it's an agent. Another agent pulls up. Okay. And he's like, hey, are you okay? Okay. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. He's, I'm like, well, I just want to go. Leave me alone. Like, why do you guys keep following me? He's like, well, we're not really following you. We just want to make sure you're okay. He's like, is somebody watching you? And I was like, no. He's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. He's like, okay. He's like, well, just take my number down. And just in case anything ever happens to you. I was like, okay. All right, fine. Mm-hmm. He let me go. About two weeks later, my ex folks was like blaming me for all his problems, saying that I was a stupid bitch. Why the fuck did I even bring him down to Miami? 
And so at this point, my mom and the got enough funds or whatever, but I, I am pretty sure it was my mom got the funds to fly me back out. But when she flew me back to Maryland, she left me stranded and homeless at a hotel, which was triggering because she wouldn't, my stepdad wouldn't allow me to go back home. So that was bad. That's, that's what I mean by if you, when you're, once you're a human traffic, you don't really have support, right? Because everybody just like blames the woman. So yeah. Right. Okay. Okay, so just so we have a that is a lot. Wow, thank we're you so just much getting for sharing. started. Um, <laughs> oh man, okay, we're gonna need a longer episode. Okay, so first of all, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I definitely feel like the next part about what I'm gonna talk about is the relapse back into prostitution and how I ended up going back with my pimp. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and be right back. Hey, everybody. A note on language that you may find offensive or terms that you may find confusing. I did not ask the guest to clarify some of these terms such as trap house or stable or bottom bitch. You can write to me if you need clarification. They talk sex at protonmail.com. I'm going to name some resources here because I did not feel right about putting sponsored ads in this episode. CallToSafety.org is an Oregon resource for domestic violence survivors and other folks in need. SARC Oregon, that's S-A-R-C, Oregon.org, is located in Beaverton, Oregon. And these places should be sex worker supportive, to the best of my knowledge they are. If you have another organization that is local to Oregon that you would like to recommend, please write to me. Again, they talk sex at protonmail.com. And I really appreciate the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention making resources available to me and people that I know in their time of need. And now back to the episode. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. This is the anti-sex trafficking episode two. Our guest Camille Woods is talking about what she has survived. Um, All right, go ahead. So uh, I come back to Maryland, uh, which so in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, I know the DMV in other states is like the Department of Motor Vehicles, but in the DMV, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, we just say we're from the DMV like DC, Maryland, Virginia, it's all interconnected. So that's what we say here. So I'm from the DMV. So I was in a hospital and um, they had seen that I like, I looked fucked up and they were just like, are you okay? And I was just like, I don't know what's happening to me. Like, I don't know where to go. I'm like, I'm I'm scared. They're just like, okay, like, just tell us what's happening to you. And I was like, well, um, I, I think I was a prostitute. And they're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? You think you were a prostitute? I was like, well, uh, I, I mean, I, I was, I was doing bad things. I don't know what I was doing, blah, blah. And so they sent me to a safe house in Baltimore, um, you know, called Catherine's Cottage. It's a safe house in Baltimore for human trafficking survivors. They sent me there. There were no resources there, people. There were no resources there. It was a place for you to stay, sleep, eat, um, maybe talk to somebody, but most of the girls that went there because you were free to come and go as you please. Most girls always went back to their trafficker. And for me, I, I thought I could do it on my own. I was like, I don't need him. I'm never going to relapse. Right. So I started working at the cheesecake factory. I ended up working for a nonprofit, which was like, 
was paying no me, me no money. Non-profits pay no money. I was making like what eight hundred of eight hundred a month, and they were mm. taking away four hundred dollars so that I could stay in housing. So I ended up mm. finding a place to live. So I was like, finally, I'm back on my feet. Whatever. So then, this is when it gets to the relapse part. When you've been in the game and you're making fast money, it can be very, very difficult to get a normal job because Mm -hmm. you are so addicted to the fast money. So I ended up talking to a girl on Instagram and she said, do you have folks? And I said, no. And she was actually trapping out of a place in Virginia. And so I said, okay, I'll come with you. Like my life sucks. I don't want to work for this nonprofit. Like I want to make some money fast so that I can change my life around because in this game, pimps and girls and everyone is brainwashed to believe that, you know, if you just run up a big enough bag, you can get out of the lifestyle. Fuck that. Mm -hmm. You're always going to be in the lifestyle because you're addicted to the money. That's just the reality of it. Unless you find another hustle that's going to make up for the fast money you're making. Right. Right. That's Mm -hmm. the elevation that they talk about in the game, elevating out. That's It's all bullshit, right? So mm-hmm. I ended up going with her. And long story short, to just simplify all of this, I ended up flying out to Atlanta to be with her pimp. That, that He wasn't my pimp now. I was never paying him. I was just with them. And um, I was just trapping with her. I met him once. He was actually, I'm not sure if you know who. He, he, oh, God. He, yeah, he was actually executive producer um who yeah that was her that was her folks and so they lived in like a huge ass mansion and you know he was he was like actually helping me he was like you know what you're in a fucking situation and i'm not about to pimp on you bitch because you look fucked up like like you're you look worse than my bitch like i just want to make sure whatever that's how bad so you know i was i was trapping on my own i was posting you know i was posting my own ads he was helping me i was flying through um all over the place. I was trapping in Charlotte, which is like a, a really big hub for human trafficking, Charlotte, North Carolina. I was trapping in Charleston. Um, eventually, I ended up getting seriously, seriously raped and robbed in Charleston. And I met an mm. OnlyFans model on Twitter who said, you are being human trafficked and you don't even realize it. And I'm going to buy you a plane ticket. And oh. God rest her soul because I, because I was you know, in in the middle of my own chaos, I didn't realize she was helping me. I She flew me to Ohio. I stayed with her in Ohio for a week, and I felt like I couldn't do it. Like, being bored, like Romina talks about, um, Romina Rosales, if you hear this, mm-hmm. she talks about this all the time. Being bored is okay, and I wasn't okay with being bored. And so what did I do? I got really scared because I was like still homeless at this point, right? Like I'm just living state to state, still homeless. And mm-hmm. I remember um, uh, she even said, stay there, stay there. A lot of people said, stay there, like just relax, stay there. And I didn't. And my ex folks and I ended up talking on Instagram. So this he, is the former pimp. Yes, this is the former pimp. This is the only pimp I've ever had. He and the second guy I'd ever slept with. So mind you, I'm still in love with him. And I still hear his thoughts about the game and about how great I could have been, all these things. So I ended up messaging him and I said, are you still in the game? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, I'm really stuck in Ohio and I'm really scared and I really miss you and I don't know what to do. 
And he said, called me and he goes, well, why don't you come to L.A.? Have you ever been to L.A.? And I was like, no, like, isn't that where you're keeping up with the Kardashians? And he's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, it's keeping up with the Kardashians. And it's Glamorous. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Like, he's right. like, I was like, oh, he's like, Figueroa is the best place in the world. I said, really? I'll walk fig for you if it's like that. He's like, yeah, totally, blah, blah. No. <laughs> No, no, no. I was the worst mistake I ever made in my entire fucking life. That is something that I struggle to forgive myself every day. The trauma I faced from walking Figueroa Boulevard. I almost died. I remember he picked me up from the airport. We stayed at a hotel. That the next day we went, he got me a few outfits. He got me some two pairs of stripper heels and he gave me some condoms and he drove me to Figueroa. And when I told you I was scared, I was scared. I told him I'm scared. And he said, you can't be afraid. You're in this lifestyle. You're in this game. You got to be strong. You got, you can't be crying on here. You can't be no punk rock bitch. You can't be no fag. What are you going to do? Be a renegade? Look what's been, been a, being a renegade got you. Being a renegade got you all in all these different states. Now, if you would have stayed down for your crown, right? That's what they tell mm. bitches. If you would have stayed down for your crown and fuck with some real pimping, you would have been on top, right? You would have been living large, but you wanted to be a fag. You wanted to hang out with faggots and square bitches and bitches that do OnlyFans. You wanted to be a fag and hang out with bitches that have jobs. You wanted to be a fag and hang out with bitches that think they can be strippers and don't wow. need no guidance or instruction. Every bitch Dang. needs instructions or she's going to fall to her self-destruction. He would brainwash me with that every single fucking day. Day in, day out, day in, day out. So I believed it. I believed yeah. it. I was like, you yeah, know yeah. what? I'm a real stomp down hoe. I believe in my man. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go out here and get it every day so we can live large and all day, all night, in, out, trapping, all day, in, out, on on Figueroa Boulevard, in, out. Pimps are just running at you, shooting at you with BB guns. I saw two bitches die on Fig. Actually, Soft White Underbelly actually interviewed two of those girls. They ended up murdered and died on Fig. Like, and I didn't see those die, those two girls die, but I've seen those girls on Fig because I used to work with them. Like, surprisingly, yeah. it's, you know, you're not allowed to be friends with other girls if they're not in your stable. And mm-hmm. I was his bottom and he never let me have friends. But when I would talk to the girls, it would be bad because it's called socializing, you know? And people Ugh. think that these bit yeah, it's called socializing and you can't do that. Or if you're, you know, and then that's bad and you can get chopped for that. Chop means like, oh, your, your pee's going to just beat the shit out of you or, you know, beat your ass or it's going to be bad. I remember one time, you know, my ex source got so mad at me for socializing on the blade and I didn't make a thousand dollars that night because he had a thousand dollar minimum and I was just tired like sometimes your pussy just gets tired like and it's hot as hell in California like I was tired of sucking dick for like what like I don't give a fuck I was tired of sucking dick for two hundred dollars right in the back Mm -hmm. of in the back of van where there's gang blood and crip gang members outside hopping out wiping my pussy off and walking off and hiding the money and under my shoe and you and this is in the middle of the fucking night it, it, this happens in the daytime this happens at the nighttime like the gang banging doesn't stop in california the the, the there, there's no police involvement there, there there's nothing and when the police do get involved which i will explain how they do get involved 
it, it, mm-hmm. it actually, it becomes even more severe, right? Because so on September 3rd, I'm proud to say on, I, it will be one year since I was arrested on September 3rd of 2021, I was walking on 63rd in Figueroa and I'm the tallest, light skinnest, long haired bitch out there. Like I told you, I was wearing six, mm-hmm. eight heels and three mm-hmm. cop cars pull over and they're like, hands behind your back. You're under arrest. And I'm like, for what? And they're like, we'll tell you when you get in the car. So I've never been arrested. And then my ex folks told me, he said, oh, you know, um, my ex folks told me, oh, um, don't give them your real name when you get in the car. But that's a felony. And, and, and no one told me that either. So I, I get in the car and they're like, what's your name? And I'm like, I have to tell you that. Mm. <laughs> they're like, you've never been arrested. I was like, well, I didn't even know what I was doing was wrong. Wow. Like, what, what am I doing that's wrong? Wow. They were like, what? I remember that they, there was already another girl in the car with me. They take us all to holding first. They wait, they, and they have a quota they need to meet. So a lot of people don't know that these police officers actually have quotas that they need to meet in order before they can take you from holding down to processing. So I was in holding with 20, 20 other girls that were all under the age of 25. I was what, 22 at the time. So all of us were yeah. under 25. The youngest girl in there was 16. Yeah. So we were all in there not and talking about, and, and this is the time where bitches start talking about pimps, but you know, they'll never say it from the police officer, right? Because nobody wants to be the one that's, that's a snitch, right? Because once you're a snitch, right? You're bad news and blah, 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 blah. Fuck all that. Mm-hmm. Like looking back, I should have said something. I should have said something. It would have saved my life even more. It would have prevented the trauma that I live with today. Camille, thank you so, so much. I, this is the only episode where I really haven't talked like at all because you have so much important shit to say so i am just listening um and i'm hearing some patterns of definitely isolation and how do you real quick how do you feel about the phrase ride or die because i always hate it i feel like it's like making bitches do like if you don't do this then you're not down so i feel like there's 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 something that romina once said i'm not sure she ever remembers saying this but she said, like, how can you stay down for someone else if you can't even stay down for you? Ooh. Like, I think she said something like that one time. I'm not sure she remembers saying this, but that's some the ride or die phrase is it's it's dumb because it means that you're willing to put yourself down for someone else who would never do the same thing for you because they lack the security in themselves to go get it themselves. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm willing to go out and sell twat for you that means you should be out here slinging dick for me (laughs) (laughs) right okay right right everybody right yeah at this point it's like you want to be like what are they doing for me yeah okay so uh so it was you said we stopped around september 2021 you had been arrested the cops were trying to fill their quota yes so september of 2021 i was in holding and this was September 3rd of 2021. I was in holding with other women. I got transferred to then processing. Uh, I was one of the last females to get out. And thank God I got out because I got arrested on that Friday, which means I could have been taken to Linwood County Prison, the other bigger jail, if I didn't, if they, if they couldn't identify me, because nobody's ever heard of where I'm from. You know, I'm from a city 
in the DMV that if I were to say that in LA, they're going to be like, where the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not LA. Yeah. yeah. Californians are very, uh, Californians are like, the world revolves around us because often it does based on media and Hollywood and shit. So got it. Yeah. So I finally get out of processing and guess who picks me up? My ex folks. <laughs> He's like, oh my God, my bitch in her county blues. Like, my bitch really stayed down for me. She didn't say shit, which I didn't. I didn't. I didn't give up his name. I didn't say shit. I went in there, quiet, did my thing, and, you know, got out and was back on fame doing the same thing over and over and over. But at this point, at this point, I want to say, let's say, what, what, what what month are we in right now? That was September 3rd of 2021. Three weeks later, I officially left him. So basically, it hasn't even been a year if you do the math now, because it hasn't, like, October 31st, technically, will be a full year since I officially left my pimp last year. So oh, happy Halloween, happy freedom. <laughs> it's so different. It, and it, and it's hard because, and we can talk about that further at some point later about how you, how you have to treat, you have to tell yourself it's okay to spend your own money. And that can be talked about at another time. But mm-hmm. the way I got out of the situation, um, and I feel like getting so emotional because this is amazing how I got out of the situation. Not only was it Romina talking to me every almost every day every day when I would sit outside she would tell me you're better than this you're stronger than this it not only was my my grandparents who were begging me to come home not only was it my one best friend who still didn't think of me as like this disgusting prostitute but it was this little lady so my ex folks he used to get so mad at me because eventually I just couldn't make money for him anymore I was so tired I was on drugs. Mm-hmm. I was doing cocaine every day. I was doing sandies every day. I was smoking weed every day. I was drinking a whole bottle of 1800 a day. I was physically oh getting God. sick. And like, I remember I was at like a, a LA fitness and this lady heard me crying on the phone with my grandparents. And she said, do you have yourself with you? She interrupted me. I said, oh, Hold on, hold on. I called my grandma, Mima. I said, hold on, Mima. This lady's talking mm-hmm. to me. I gotta go. And she goes, I can take you right now. I can get you out of here right now. Do you want to go right now? And I wow. said, yes. And the only reason why I said yes is because the day before, the day before, I was assaulted by a trick at Sharky's in Huntington Beach. <laughs> or mm. I think it's I think it's Huntington Beach. I'm not sure. All the beaches look the same. Or Manhattan <laughs> Beach. One of those beaches. I don't know. Yeah. It's Long this, Beach. Yeah. Whatever. It's, it was like mm-hmm. Sharky's yeah. or whatever. And I, I had a bad day. He actually put heroin in my arm. And my pimp left me by myself at a <sighs> hospital and said he was my Uber driver. And never stayed. And he's called me a drug addict. And he, he blamed me. He said, how can a 5'10 bitch like you get raped by a man and jesus he, christ yeah and it was i got like brutally raped i was beat up and that's why the following day when this lady offered me to take me to the police i i, I willingly went to the police station now this whole time right my pimp has no idea where the fuck i'm at he's like oh let's talk about it i don't think you're a drug addict like you know we can work this out blah blah, blah. and i go to the police and i'm just like listen 
fuck anything questions you have for me. I'm not here to go to no fucking safe house. I want a flight and I want to go home and I'm never coming back here again. So mm. guess what? They got me a flight and guess what I did? Mm. I went back to him for three mm. days. I went back to him because I believed in everything he said. But on the third day, and he was convinced that my grandparents actually brought the plane ticket, but it wasn't. It was the police who brought the plane ticket. And what's the craziest part is I believed him. I said, you know what? I'll go back. I went back. And for three days, for three days, he starved me. For three days, he said, you can't. You're not making any money. You're not making any money. And it was this nice lady, little lady at an ice cream shop. So I have the plane ticket now. I had all my belongings, but I thought I could. we could still make it work. And this lady at an ice cream shop, I remember she sat down to me and she said, you know, you're not going to be able to fit all your all your shit. So you're going to have to leave some things. So I left my high school diploma. I left like a few other documents. I only had like the, only the real shit I needed. And mm-hmm. I hopped on a flight. And I, and um, yeah, I would say um, October. Uh, no, uh, what was this? So uh, October of last year, I came back. And all I had, it was cold as shit outside. And all I had was flip-flops and stripper clothes and I remember um like the the everybody was like calling me they're like you're back are you okay like you know like people like I know everybody hates cops and like investigators or people but like I felt so scared because you gotta remember for two years I had never been back to my hometown and when I came Mm. back I was so scared people were gonna treat me disgusting I was so scared I wasn't going to be able to get a job. I didn't even know how to talk to people. Like, the world consisted of pimps, hoes, and squares. And if it wasn't pimping and hoeing, it was square. And it was bad to be a square. And you could only talk to your pimp because you can't talk to other hoes. So it was so scary to me. And I remember, like, the first first month I was here, uh, last October, October to November, I would say, I remember my my grandma said down with me and she said, this is going to be the fight of your life. Like this, this is going to be the fight of your life. Like you're going to have to really thug it out. Like I can't help you financially, but you're going to have to work really, really, really fucking hard to get your life back. And so Mm -hmm. I slept on her couch, which is like a four foot couch and I'm 5'11 and it was hard. And I say, I worked, I I could only work one job. I could barely keep a job because it was hard for me to work with people. I had no friends. I was so isolated. I had one best friend. Her name is Kat, just like my cat. And she was there for me every step of the way through the breakdowns, through the meltdowns. She was there every step of the way. Eventually we became roommates. We, I was living in a, in a house where I was renting a room. And then I was so proud of myself because April of this year, on my twenty on my 23rd birthday, I got my first apartment. Yes, you're doing it. <laughs> and, now, and now I work two full-time jobs. And, I, you know, I have a pet and I have I have my best friend. And I have, I'm dating this amazing guy who doesn't take my money in. He's not oh, perfect, honey. but he's really taught me, like, and even if it doesn't work out, he's taught me the value of loving yourself. And, you know, oh, I am not perfect. I'm not, like, some type of, like, whatever story that people should aspire to be, but it's real. And I wish, I really wish, I really wish I never 
ever, ever believe in the lies because now I wasted so much time and I know I'm only 23, right? And I know life is not a race, but you got to understand, I was in college. (laughs) I was a college kid who only slept with one guy who was going to school to be a teacher who ended up being a drug addicted prostitute. And so, you know, life for me is a little different now, you know, instead of working at a strip club, I take pole dancing classes, you know, I work two (laughs) full time jobs, just to keep myself Mm -hmm. occupied. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not perfect. I I still drink. I'm not perfect. I still smoke weed. You know, I'm not perfect. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not That's perfect. like most of the listeners of this show drink and smoke weed. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not perfect. But what I will say is like, it's so worth it to leave. You know, I know girls go back all the time and they think that their folks is just going to save them. And, you know, do I think all pimps are bad? Let me preface this by saying no, I don't. But I do think that people need to be honest about their intentions with people, right? That's like saying mm-hmm. all gang bem- all gang members are bad or all strippers are bad or all, you know, because what's bad and good? But fully taking away someone's human right, I was essentially a slave for years. You know, I live mm-hmm. with that trauma every fucking day. You know, um, three days ago, I was at work. I had a mental breakdown at work and I asked my boss, I said, can I have a hug? I said, sometimes I, I don't have a mommy and I need a hug. And she was like, why? Yeah. And I said, because every time I look in the mirror, I see a drug addicted prostitute. She said, what? Why do you see that? I see the strongest woman I know. I see a woman who's working two jobs just not to think about what happened to her. And I know, yeah. and I know I need to go to therapy and I know, and I'm just, I'm honestly just not ready to, I mean, I've, I know we've talked, I've talked the most of this episode and I'm so sorry for that. No, no. But I haven't even gone into like the depths and the gravities of like the physical abuse that can happen with these men. I mean, I remember one, I'm not sure if I even told, said it in the episode, but there was one time I didn't make my quota and my ex folks literally took a toilet plunger and shoved it up my ass because he said oh I God. liked it because when I was three years old, I took dick willingly in the ass from three to six. Oh so I must God. have wanted it now. And so oh that's abuse that I live with every day. But I'm so grateful I left. I'm so happy I left. I'm so happy I have a best friend now. I'm so happy that even though it's hard to budget, like it is so hard to budget, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm not making a thousand dollars every day. I'm happy mm-hmm. that I get to learn about credit. I'm happy that I get to learn about like, oh, like you know, I take I take pole dancing classes now, and I'm so happy that you know I have this amazing pole instructor that I get to talk about things with because she said she told me this all the time. She says, okay, she says, you know, one day you might return to sex work, but this time. You take this time to build the self-esteem you need. So when you go back, it's your money and it's on your terms and it's what you mm-hmm. want to do. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you might want to go back to that, you know, because your brain has been subjected and open to that. So there, it, it's, a, it's a huge possibility. And with many therapists, even with many investigators, with many different law enforcement that have spoken to me, they said there's a chance you may go back. And, and, and it's probably not gonna be with him obviously it won't be with him mm. but you know if i do go back Better not. Strip, yeah of course not of course <laughs> not but like just to be a stripper or only friends whatever it has to be mm-hmm. a different approach and i feel mm-hmm. like right now i'm taking the time to really just 
you know, learn what it's like mm-hmm. to be a square. Go to Target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I go to Target now for my clothes. And, you know, I, you know, I get excited about, you know, going on walks and I get excited FaceTiming my friends and I get excited about, you know, decorating my cute little studio and I get excited about, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, and I, and you know, when people are like, oh, it's hard to get a job when you're, when you were prostitute, this is, you know, I'm a server now at two different restaurants. And I feel like if you can sell twat, you can sell a piece of food. Okay. Like <laughs> if you can sell twat, you can sell a piece of food and I'm doing pretty damn well good for myself. And I don't know. I don't know. I kind of don't want to keep rambling because I know we have to keep yeah, it brief, but no, it's good. I'll give you some here. I'll give you some structure. So, okay. So, uh, I, I agree that, um, so myself is like being a consensual worker my whole life as an adult. Um, I agree that being in a strip club environment or another adult environment might be too vulnerable for you. Cause you're still, yeah. Learning what normal healthy boundaries look like. You agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You're doing great. Um, so everybody, I want to mention at this point, an uh, organization called Swap Behind Bars works with incarcerated sex workers and people who've experienced trafficking. They have a support line, 877-776-2004. Also, if you are in Nevada or the Southwest Washington or Oregon area, reach out to thecupcakegirls.org. Um, they are strained for resources right now. So folks, if you're listening and you want to donate to them, $5 a month the cost of a cup of coffee. You can help people who also need to get their needs met. Uh, Camille's having some water, it sounds like. That is great. Um, Okay, so I want to do some listener questions. And um, yeah, let's do some listener questions and then anything else you want to talk about at the end. Thank you so much. I can't express gratitude enough for opening up and being so incredibly vulnerable. And just know that there's so many people out here who don't know you, but they support you and they want to see you succeed and you're doing it day by day. Okay. Listener question one, do you feel that your personal ability to trust people or build a relationship with men has been impacted because of what you went through? Hell fucking yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hell fucking yeah. So I would say... I struggle with boundaries personally for me. I struggle with boundaries. I struggle with, you know, everybody wants to feel loved, right? And for me, I never had a a dad, right? That's why parents are like their daddies, right? We love our daddies, right? I never had a dad. So Mm -hmm. I struggle with boundaries. I struggle with being too vulnerable because, you know, I'm like someone when I love, I love hard. And I, I constantly think about this person. I'm like, let me go buy this person and get them this, get them this to the point where mm-hmm. my needs are stopped being met. And I've had to learn it's okay to love people, but you got to love yourself first. So I definitely mm-hmm. struggle with t- um, trusting people. And I also struggle with, you know, sometimes I look at men as tricks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Bad, you know, that's so bad. Cause like, how do you know? You know, you know, it's so hard for me to like have a conversation with a guy like and be like, hmm, how much could I get out of you? Or, you know, you know, that, that was me. I'm not going to I'm not going to bullshit you. Like when I first came back, you know, I, I, had, I had a sugar daddy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't mm-hmm. fucking him. <laughs> Good. Oh, that's perfect. That's great. Yeah. What can you do for me? Because 
Let's, let me tell you something. A lot of people, a lot of people think that a lot of women are actually fucking for money, and that's not necessarily true. I just want to put that out there. You know, it's mm-hmm. sometimes, and yeah. you know, it's not true. Mm-hmm. It's not true. I yeah, definitely. You could like flip it on its head because there's men out there who would be and are so fucking grateful to spend time with a beautiful young woman. You know, like hell yeah, they're gonna pay for it. And, you know, and even if you're just listening to them talk about like their job or their wife or whatever, (laughs) like they're lucky to for you to bless them with your company. Yeah. Um, And also I do as a get as a choice worker, I do the same thing where sometimes I go into a room and like I'm not on shift. I'm not hired to be there, but I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, there's a lot of polo shirts in here. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, wonder what he's got in his wallet. But uh. So, uh, yeah, hustling is one thing. Um, and I do know some who either had children by their pimp or it took them a lot longer to leave. And some of them decided to do choice work when they were stable and some of them absolutely avoid it entirely. So whatever feels good. I think maybe one day, I think maybe one day in the future I may go back, but I think right now it's very important for me to really, really heal. Like I am not healed i have mental breakdowns all the time guys like i am by no means perfect like i said it hasn't even been a year since i've been away from my trafficker and i know i'm an anomaly because i have my own place and i did it all on my own i had no support no money like i literally grinded two jobs like i work 100 hours a week to like work to get my mind off things and i know that's bad and it's suppressing the emotions but that's the coping mechanisms i need right now to get myself through all of the legal things I'm dealing mm-hmm. with at the moment. But yeah, for sure, it's hard mm-hmm. for me to trust people. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. I Like, I only have one best friend and the one guy that I'm dating and Romina and you yeah. sometimes when I Let's message stay you. Let's and, sure. you know, others and other little stripper hoes. Like, I have one stripper hoe friend who lives in Seattle. Girl, if you're listening, mm-hmm. I love you. Like, we talk all the time about men, you know, like having my little wine nights over Aww. FaceTime or little sleepover parties. Like, I do FaceTime pajama parties with some of, like, my stripper friends who live in Cali yeah. or whatever. You know, I'm good. I like, uh, you know, I, I do that. But it's hard for me to trust people because, you know, there's a lot of, like, pimp pages you know, I'm not going to like outwardly say those pimp pages names. There's a lot of pimp pages and there's a lot of pimps who do follow me actively. And there's a lot of, you know, hoes that follow me actively. And it can be scary, right? Because like you can't trust any of these right. people. Like the only reason why I do trust my stripper friends is because I genuinely right. know them. And they genuinely, I genuinely know these people. And I would, and when I say trust, I say I trust people to the extent of like, I trust you won't murder me, but like, I don't trust you with like, yeah, anything else. Oh yeah. No, I, I don't, I, yeah, I I only let like five people into my house and even some of my close friends who still like have substance abuse, like issues. I don't trust them in my house. Cause I'm like, I don't trust you with my money that I leave laying around, you know? So some people think boundaries are mean, but boundaries are very kind because they allow other people to know how you want to be treated. Uh, and then Romina Rosales, uh, shout out queensoftheunderworld.com. Uh, Romina was in the work and yeah, folks can learn a lot from her. So, uh, okay. So that brings me to the next question and you kind of already talked about it. Um, listener question two, what's your relationship to sex work and pornography these days? Okay. I think OnlyFans is great 
I think a fancy is great. I think stripping is great. I think any type of sex work is great. I think if you are choosing mm-hmm. to do it, I think if you willingly are choosing to do this with your body and this is what you want to do or this helps you with your mental health or you have social anxiety, it's hard for you to leave the house and this is a way for you to make money, then by all means do it. But I feel like if you're being forced, then it's bad and it's and it's not good. And if someone's taking your money and, and brainwashing your brain and that's bad. And will I ever return to OnlyFans? The answer is probably yes i will will i return to stripping probably yes this is something that i've talked to the guys i'm dating all the time and we have boundaries and we understand each other and he 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 you know he knows where i'm coming from you know because he's you know he's he's seen growth in that lifestyle and so i'm i'm fortunate enough to even be dating someone now who knows my trauma and even that's scary right because like sometimes I don't trust him sometimes I think he might be trying to pick me out like I get real scared Mm -hmm. sometimes you know but my relationship to pornography is very sounds like it I think if you want to do that if you want to do that and that's what you want to do and you believe that that's what you want to do and that's what you want to do with your life then by all means go for it girl go so we're talking about consent basically the difference is consent yeah yes yeah consent you choose to do this no one's making you do this no one's talking you into this no one's coercing you to do this you woke up one day and was like today i'm gonna take a picture of my pussy and i'm gonna sell it (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. i did that a lot last night um (laughs) um okay so and again reminders for definitions of exploitation labor exploitation that apply to all types of work no matter what you're doing whether you're selling food or selling twat as you said before force fear fraud coercion are you being forced? Are you afraid someone's going to hurt you if you don't? Um, are you being defrauded? Like, hey, if you, you know, I'll give you your documents back if you just do this one more job or whatever. Or general coercion. Yeah. Like, hey, you ain't shit. Yeah. So, okay. Um. All right. So to the next question, listener question three, what's the best way to support survivors of trafficking without hurting consensual workers? Love. A lot of people don't like there's this like energy in our universe or the planet or in the United States specifically where it's like every man for themselves or fuck you. And if it wasn't for the sex workers on the internet who willingly told me I was human traffic, if it wasn't for Romina calling me on the blade, if it wasn't for this lady letting me stay in her house, if it wasn't for me to have a couch to sleep on, if it wasn't for me having the ability to just know, it's okay if I don't make money today because I can just sleep and I'm not going to be murdered and no one's going to kill me and no one's going to look after me. That's how you support a sex trafficking survivor. You don't look at them on the street and be like, oh, that's a disgusting prostitute. Look at her. You know, because there are some willing there are some women who are willingly choosing to be prostitutes. Let's let's just put that out there. There are women who actively every day get dressed up, look beautiful, go outside. They might go to the casino. You might see them at the casino. You might see them at the bar. You might, you know, mm-hmm. my whole my hodar is up. I know when I see one. <laughs> you know? that's consent you know but if you see a woman who looks down bad or depressed or sad and she needs someone to talk to you don't have to support her financially nobody's saying give her money but sometimes just being an opening ear and saying hey look give me some time to find something for you let's let's figure this out together let's 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 do this together you're not alone 
I think that would help so many women believe that they mm-hmm. are better than their environment for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then also, folks, if you work for a nonprofit or an organization that serves sex workers and survivors, uh, either choice or those who were coerced, uh, please reach out and let me know because I'm always looking for more places that I can refer people to, especially immigrants. There's like that's the problem also with like the U.S. being so regulated and also racist. It's like if you don't have an address, if you don't have documentation, then a lot of times you're not necessarily going to get any support, any help. Help. Yeah, you're fucked. Yeah. Okay. So what has been, you talked a little bit about, it sounds like the interactions with the cops or the wasn't necessarily all bad. Um, So I want to ask what your experience has been with cops or police and then um, with different anti-trafficking organizations. So I feel like when it comes to police officers, they have no idea what the fuck they're doing. So Mm, let's just put that out there. I do not trust cops, but when it comes to investigators or people who are active members of trying to help women and, you know, find the predators who are preying on vulnerable women, I believe that those people have the right intentions. And I say that because I've genuinely met some of them. Some of them have taken my phone call at 2 a.m. when I'm bawling my eyes out or, you know, I start, I struggle with PTSD. So you know, when I'm having a meltdown and my best friend's getting banged out by her boyfriend, she can't answer the phone and my boyfriend's <laughs> working and, you know, and I don't feel safe. To- and I don't want to call my grandmother. She might have a heart attack and like my uncle's <laughs> in South Carolina, you know, and even though he's a phone call away, you know, sometimes you need someone who can just listen. And I do feel like they're opening ears to just listen. And there's this like stigma that like, oh, the feds are bad, or oh, the feds are this. Actually, no, these people genuinely are paid to actually help you. They are genuinely paid to take calls at 2 a.m. when you're balling. They are genuinely paid adequately enough to make sure that you can, if somebody finds out where you live, they can remove you from that home and put you in another home and you can still keep your job. Like, if you're willing to take the help, if you're willing to mm-hmm. say I need help. Okay, help and then me. what about what about anti-trafficking organizations? Oh, they suck. Do you feel empowered? They suck. They suck. <laughs> they suck balls. They can suck my dick <laughs> if I had one. Like literally, the safe house, Catherine's Cottage. Like no bullshit. You know, like they, they, you know, they were great. You know, thank you for putting a roof over my head when it was snowing outside. Thank you for not leaving me in the cold. Thank you for allowing me to have food and giving me, you know, free clothes. Thank you. They didn't teach me how to write a resume. They didn't teach me how to get a job. I Googled this all on my own. And I wish that that would have saved me so much brain power. (laughs) I would have Mm -hmm. so much more energy now. But now I'm just, these days I'm just drained. Like I'm drained mentally. I'm drained all the time. And not physically because like I work 100 hours a week. Like I told you, I'm drained emotionally. Like in the past nine months, this is the most stable I've ever been in my own apartments. I moved in, in my first apartment in April. So this is the longest legitimate place. And my landlord is amazing that this is, you know, I have stability like that. They Nonprofits don't give you stability. If you find a nonprofit that actually has steps to get you on your own, that is fabulous. But most nonprofits are there to have you sleep, eat, not do drugs and figure it out. 
Are you allowed to have pets? Uh, at my house or at the nonprofit? At nonprofits. No. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another big impediment to people who are unhoused. Also, it's like if they're like, oh, yeah, we'll give you shelter, but you have to leave like one of the only comforts and things that's safe to you, which is your animal. Like, of course, people aren't going to want to take it. Right. Okay. So let's take another quick break and then we will finish up. Uh, This is the anti-sex trafficking episode two. our guest, Camille Woods. You've been all over the country. You are a very wise 23-year-old. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Elle Stanger. I'm an ASECT certified sex educator and longtime adult worker uh, by choice. And again, choice and consent is key here. So we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Elle, your host, and I would not feel right about hosting ads in this episode. So instead, I asked folks what resources have been helpful to them in times of need. And I have heard that the hotline.org is a leading resource for domestic violence needs, and you can call them at 1-800-799-SAFE. Another one that was recommended quite a bit was RAIN, R-A-I-N-N.org. This is for rape, abuse, and incest survivors. You can call them 1-800-656-H-O-P-E. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. Thank you to folks who voted us Best Portland Podcast uh, 2022. We really appreciate your support and getting this information and these resources out there. At the beginning of the episode, I said we're going to share info and resources and maybe laugh a couple times. And we've actually done that. So I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel like it's our sense of humor that like keeps us going. Uh, and then those support people. Um, okay, so we've mentioned Romina Rosales, but let's mention her again. What are some resources that have been helpful for your survival or learning or healing? So three things I would say. One, definitely Romina. If you are in, you are being trafficked or you are a sex worker of consent who just needs someone to talk to, I promise you, I promise you, I am a living testament to Romina. I I just sent her a care package to just show her how much I loved her. I was like, I'm not trying to stop you. (laughs) Then she got it. I sent her like a spatula and like some like pumpkin stuff because fall. And I know I know in California you guys they don't have seasons. So I was like, (laughs) I was like, girl, you need some pumpkins. Like (laughs) you're a gift giver. Yeah. Is that one of your love languages? Yeah. Yeah. So I Mm -hmm. gave her like I, I sent her a little care package and she was she got it. I know she was so happy about it. And I just want to say like a lot of people don't give her enough credit where credit is due, but I believe she is one of the bravest, strongest, amazing women in the world. You know, she doesn't, she, she doesn't report to any law enforcement. Um, She willingly chooses to help women and she doesn't report to law enforcement by her choice because I, I genuinely believe she doesn't report to law enforcement because she, she has the good enough heart to know that women will go back four or five, six times. Women are willing mm-hmm. to do that. And it's not even that they're willing. Sometimes they just don't know any better. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's one of those women who are willing to take the risk to say, you know, I'm not going to tell, but I'll listen. And I think mm-hmm. that is really what saved my life, knowing she wasn't going to tell and knowing she was going to still listen to me. And knowing she wasn't mm-hmm. going to judge me and knowing she still loved me. That 
that is what I mean by she's amazing. Another resource is I would say reading the body keeps the score. That is an amazing mm-hmm. book. If you can get your hands on that book, please do. It talks about how we keep trauma in our body. And I read that book every day when I, when I can in my free time before going to bed um, because I still struggle with my own trauma responses and triggers, you know. Um, you know, sometimes I struggle with, I, I like wet the bed when I get really scared at night or mm-hmm. I think about a time that happened to me on FIG. Like one time I was on Pacific Coast Highway walking the blade and a guy, I, he, I got in the car to do a date and uh, he ripped all my clothes off and threw me outside and I was naked, like full blown 5'11 woman, I'm 5'11 black dominican woman outside in california uh, like no one's gonna stop and help me like i i, I uh, call my folks <laughs> like yeah I'm naked. Jesus Christ. yeah so yeah um reading the body keeps the score is totally totally important and the third thing is if you can find just one friend one friend i don't know who that friend might be for me it's my best friend kat um or mm. my my best friend Sam, if if you can find one or two good friends that you know, no one's saying that they need to give you money because I think a lot of people think like, oh, the the quick the quickest fix right is to give them money. No, it's about teaching people how to have healthy relationships in general, even if it's just with a mm. friend, because that can save mm-hmm. your life for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I, I, I also recommend reading, um, reading the body keeps the score. And I especially like in the end where it talks about therapeutic, like things you can do to find healing that are not talk therapy. So like dance, yoga, art. Um, I take pole, yeah. I take pole dancing classes. <laughs> yeah. It feels so good to feel strong, right? Yeah. It feels great. Yeah. Yeah. And then Queens of the Underworld, you can currently find her on Instagram at Queens Got Skills. Uh, she has a backup account, which I can't find. I think it's Romina Rosales for Eva, number four, EVA. Uh, and then Queens of the Underworld.com. Um, okay. So I almost feel inappropriate asking this, but you saw the outline. You said it's fine. Um, I ask every guest this at the end of every episode. Do you have any sex tips for our audience? Of course I do. <laughs> I just did it on my I just did it on my boyfriend last night. Girl, you better spit on it. Spit all on it. All right. And suck dick. Look in their eyes. Be nasty. You know, from the base to the top, like the whole thing, the balls and everything, girl. Don't not every time. Every time. <laughs> you are every you are time. the second. Remember when I told you at the beginning of this before we started recording that I recorded with another person who was in the middle of a court case? Um, she said the same thing. She's like, look them in the eyes and get spitty. And me personally, I have like a my I have like a weird thing around spit. It's like a turnoff to me, but I know that like half of half of other people really like it. I, well, I don't know that I pulled my audience and I was like, do you like spit or no spit? And it was like right down the middle. So there's a strong divide, but in my experience, dudes who like getting their dick sucked really like it messy. <laughs> no, I, I think I personally like spitting on dick because I don't want to taste their pre-com. 
So I'm Uh like, okay, if I spit on you, then I'm just tasting myself. I'm not tasting you because God knows what you're putting in your body. Jesus Christ, I'm vegetarian. (laughs) I don't want none of that shit in me. I don't want no pork rinds or no beef in me, bitch. I want want veggies. I want veggies (laughs) and fruit. Um, And then also you can use condoms. Like, I mean, a lot of people don't use condoms in their personal relationships, which makes sense. But when you're working, it's great to use condoms because that protects us for sure. And also, and, and, you know, just for a side note, you know, and, 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 you know, I'm just to backtrack a little bit, you know, I was for the first six months of being a prostitute um, or being human trafficked, I used condoms the whole time. And the one time I didn't use condoms was with, was with my pimp who then gave me chlamydia and gonorrhea. Mm. So I say this to say, right, if you do the math, right, if I've been a productive prostitute for six months using condoms, getting no diseases, and then the one time I used no condom, and who gave who the disease? Mm -hmm. Who gave who what? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's why I always say, like, a lot of girls are like, you know, oh, I don't use protection with my folks. Um, You can't always trust him, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, apparently you can't really trust him at all. You can't trust him at all. I mean, who, who you know? Mm-hmm. So I think I think condoms are definitely the way mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. Always. And skins. Use skins because <laughs> I'm allergic to latex. So yeah. skins is really good. S-K-Y-N brand. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Okay. Um do you do you want to be contacted by people do you have any social media or anything i do have social media i am always open to talk to girls or guys or anyone who needs someone to talk to you can find me at camille woods it's c-a-m-i-l-l-e-w-o-o-d-z and the that's at camille woods and the backup page is at camille woods with two z's okay um so that can be also linked to wherever you post the podcast or when we do the thing with ramina which we said yeah to do at some point yeah release the episode yeah around the time yeah folks look for that if you follow me on social media that's a good reminder so i'm on instagram at stripper writer and my backup is at l underscore stanger um, we do want to do a chat of sorts with Romina Rosales and yeah, don't really know what that's going to look like yet, but I think it's a great idea. You brought it up. So, okay, folks, write to me. I'm your host, El Stanger. You already know that. Write to me. They talk sex at protonmail.com. I have very respectful, mindful listeners, so I'm sure people who contact you are going to do it just like the best way possible. Um, yeah. Any, any last thing you want to say to anybody else who's listening, anyone who might be in your situation or wants to help? Um, the last thing I would say is if you want to help show love and compassion and kindness, don't judge because everybody's been at rock bottom. I was, I have been, sometimes I still feel like I am, (laughs) but I also want to say, you know, that's if, you know, you want to help. And for anybody um, what was the second question? I forgot the second one. You oh, asked yeah. Me. No, just if there's any last words of advice to anybody. Oh, just last words of an advice. If you're in my situation, man, just love yourself, you know, mm-hmm. like love, loving someone else is great and it's deep. And I know in the game we preach, stay down for our come up and elevation. And, but to me, ele- I've elevated in nine months without my folks. I mean, with my folks taking all my money, I was living in a car in a hotel. Without my folks working two jobs, 
I am now in a studio apartment looking at my unicorn mug, mm. looking at my vanilla bean cupcake uh, candle, looking at my pink Keurig, looking at like mm. my cat, looking at my glass of wine, thinking about how I'm going to have a great day at work this evening. Um, you know, looking at my fluffy rug, looking at my, you know, my, my, my huge ass dream catcher that I got from Facebook marketplace, like, <laughs> looking, looking at my string lights everywhere, looking about how pink everything is, you know, mm-hmm. sitting on my, sitting on my pink couch. I'm a pink couch now. Like just envision the life you want and think about, man, like I can get that for myself too. You know, you don't have to be the toughest woman. You just got to be tough enough for yourself. Oh, I love that. Okay. You said it all. Thank you so much, Camille. And let's stay in touch. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. 